0: Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The Rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy, the media still exists as the most powerful entity on Earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Anton Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar, and that's why there's a need for the rematch. Today, I sat down with former NBA player Brian Grant He played a dozen seasons in the NBA and was known for his tenacious rebounding, blue-collar defense, and overall rugged play. He is someone I literally studied and patterned my game after. But now he is fighting a different fight after being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and wrote an amazingly inspirational book called Rebound with esteemed basketball writer Rick Buecher. Brian Grant shares his story in raw and candid fashion. He takes his readers to Sacramento, Portland, Miami and beyond. This was an amazing interview. Hope you enjoy.
1: Brian Grant, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. And yourself?
0: Man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, it's, you know, it's it's so great to have you on my show the rematch, you know, basketballnews.com and Fly TV. Um, I gotta be honest with you, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. Um, just from even before getting to the NBA and playing against you, I was a big fan of yours. Um, i Bob at Syracuse and Coach Lewis Orr was our assistant coach. So he would talk about you all the time because he saw us kind of like a similar type of a style on the court. Yeah. So we talked about you all the time, and I was just following you, and you know, I'm so proud of all the work that you're doing. You had a great career, what you're doing off the court. So it's an honor, so let me just say that before we even get started.
1: Well, I tell you what, you know, there's certain people that come in the league and you're just like, okay, whatever, but there's others that come in and you like, man, I got to go against him tonight. He <laughs> was one of them cats. <laughs> it, you know, it was kind of like playing against myself because we, yeah. we were both hardcore yeah. going to the basket and both ran the floor like deers. Yeah. And, you know, one not scared to stick our necks out for our team, man. I know. You know so I, I had –
0: it's crazy. I remember playing against you one time here in D.C. with the Wizards. Um, you was in Portland. And we were just, wait, was you in Portland or Miami? You might have been in Miami. No, no, you yeah. was in Miami then. And we was literally battling the entire game. Like it was just, you know, it was like, when, you know, when, when Kobe talked about when he played against MJ and he wanted yeah. to do his best and he wanted, you know, so it was like that kind of intensity the whole game. So I remember after the game, you know, we had finished battling the whole time. And I started walking over towards you, and so our assistant coach Michael Corn he told me later he was like I was like okay are they about to fight Do I need to jump in between them he said and y'all nah. he said and then y'all came up there and y'all hugged and then y'all started talking and it was all that he was like yeah. oh okay they like each other
1: <laughs> yeah <was> man like- <laughs> some people don't some people really don't get that you know the one who uh, talked to me about that the most was Carl Malone. Ah. Yeah, when he ended up going on a on fishing trip with me, we were talking and he was like, you know, the thing that I admire about you is that you leave it on the court. And I, I always try to leave it on the court, you know, because whatever happens on the court, it's just we're battling. You know, we're both trying to get a win for our teams. But as soon as we step off that court, we're individuals, and I had nothing but respect for you. I respected you more that you didn't back down. I'm trying to get you to back down like bam, bam, bam. Right, and right, you're right. just like, you it coming. I'm like, damn.
0: you know it's funny you mentioned carl malone i remember when y'all were going toe to toe and it was during the playoffs and you were like like you know what i mean like this and he was saying i remember that and it was that was you not backing down from him and you know and i imagined you saying "Nobody scared of you ain't nobody you know you was literally going like y'all was this close to each other you was letting him know and i was like oh yeah that dude is the truth right there
1: (laughs) well i tell you what man You know, in that series, emotions were high. And you know how it was to play in Utah at that time, man. It was just just crazy. It was a lot of crazy stuff going on on the court. But, yeah, sometimes you you lose it a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I said what I had to say. But if you watch Carl, Uh Carl never moved. His demeanor never changed. He just chewed his gum and said, Brian, I did not mean to hit you with that elbow. And you know it. That's what he he said. I mean, (laughs) after all the... Oh, okay. I said to him, that's what okay. he said to me, and we was pulled apart. And next game, you know, I was able to hold him to eight points in 46 minutes. I remember. You know, so it's all about leaving it on the court, man. I mean, basketball is basketball. I mean, some people get tangled up, things happen, but I was one of those guys, if you was a hard worker, you have my respect. Yeah. You had my respect.
0: And and just that style of play. I mean, because you know, we're, we're kind of like the dinosaur now. The young guys now, they don't play like us. Yeah. You know, like my son, he's you know, he's, he's tall and stuff, but he just wants to play like KD and play like Giannis and Euro step all over the place. You know, it's just a it's a different game. But I, I appreciated your game. You know, like you, uh, Alonzo Mourning, you know what I mean? Patrick Ewing, those big men that are, like, rugged, going in there in the paint, rebound, blocking shots, you know, scoring, dunking hard. That's that's what I patterned my game after.
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't have that kind of game anymore. I mean, I I really don't know if I could be successful. Maybe I would – I could because I'd have to change to the times. Uh But – I mean, you and I would have a tough time. I mean, yeah, yeah. You gotta learn you gotta be able to have range out to three. Yeah. You know, guard smaller dudes. Yeah. Uh any kind of any kind of hard foul. We getting technical, so we're gonna be out of the game with those. Right, right. So, right. Yeah. I had
0: I had no desire to shoot a three. That that wasn't I had no desire. Like you shot a few jumpers. I had no desire to shoot jumpers. I wanted to be in the paint.
1: Like, you know I mean? Yeah. That's why I wanted to do all the dirty work. That's where my best shot came. Was right at the rim. Right at the right rim, rim. At right, rim. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So,
0: so listen. So now you know you you have the book, rebound, and there's so much I want to talk to you about it. Um, but even going before, let's start before you you even wrote the book. Um, at what point did you come forward with Parkinson's? What t- with, You know, because for a while you kept it quiet. And I'm yep. doing a little bit of, you know, watching some of your old interviews and things of that nature, because I was following you, um, but you kept a lot quiet. What made you want to, or decide to uh, come forward with what you were going through?
1: Well, I mean, it was, uh, it was the fact that I couldn't explain to people why I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And what I mean by that is, is I wanted to interview and try to be a commentator. That was, you know, kind of what my degree was in at college. Okay and uh, once the tremor started in the hand, you know, I couldn't do that, and I hadn't really been diagnosed yet, like the first first individual I told that I had Parkinson's after I was diagnosed was Jerome Cursey, the late Jerome Cursey, okay, we were at a game in Portland, and myself, Jerome and Chris Delly, we were being honored, so they walked us out on the court, and as we're going on, I said, Jerome, I have Parkinson's, and he was like, What I was like yeah, man, I don't know what to do. He said, "Just, just come on out here. I got you, brother." Mm. And uh, we went through throwing balls and shirts into the stands. And uh, afterwards, we went back in the hallway. And he said, "Man, I couldn't even tell." He said, "Are you all right?" I said, "I'm good. I just, yeah, I just literally found out a couple of days ago that this tremor that I have is Parkinson's." Oh,
0: wow. And
1: so I waited about two or three months after that. Got in touch with Rick Buker and that's mm-hmm. that's when I announced to the world that I had it. And I was glad that I did. You know, I got ended up getting a call from Michael J. Fox and mm-hmm. Lonnie Ali, who was Muhammad's wife, mm-hmm. you know, with some encouraging words, not telling me that I have to go public with it, but just telling me that if I do go public, then this is a lifelong journey. And so, you know, after hearing that from them, I was like, I was in 100%.
0: You know, I saw you after that do a lot of work with Michael J. Fox, talking talking about how instrumental he was, you know, and just once you started talking about it publicly, uh, things of that nature. Uh,
1: you know, I'm I'm a big movie buff man. I'm I'm a fan. So first yes. and foremost, I was I was a fan of his, you know, Frighteners, movies like that, back to the future.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, you know, when I entered in, I didn't know exactly what it was that I wanted to do for the Parkinson's community other than letting them know that I had it as well. Mm -hmm. So I would go to his events. Um, He ended up coming to our event and we just worked together and built this relationship um, where if I needed something, I knew I could ask or call on him Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And so we continued that relationship. Uh, He is kind of taking a step back from doing a lot of stuff that he used to do because Mm -hmm. he's progressed so far uh, and then Lonnie, you know, since Muhammad has died, there's hasn't been a whole lot that their camp has been doing either. So, okay. um, but still maintain those friendships.
0: Wow. Wow. So how did you connect with Rick Bucher to, to, you know, co-author your book? Like, how did, how did that happen? Um,
1: because he did. the he, He's the one that announced on through when he was working for ESPN that I had Parkinson's. He okay. came down for the day with a film crew. They stayed the whole day filming me and the kids. um, And then ran the story, and he did such a good job of it. I kind of kept in touch with him over the years here and there. Mm -hmm. And then when I finally got to the point where I was ready to write a book, you know, I interviewed two other people who had good reputations as far as ghostwriters. But when I interviewed him, I knew that if I wanted it to be conveyed, in my words, he was going to be the best person to do that because he is in the sports game. He knows the ups and downs for us as players and things that happen and can happen in our lives. Mm-hmm. So that's why I chose him.
0: You know, I remember uh, coming out to your foundation um, early, early on. And this was still kind of in the early parts. I don't remember exactly what year it was, but it was in the early parts. Um, but your foundation has grown so much since then. Um, what you're doing with the Brian Grant Foundation and Shaker Team Maker. So talk about. What you do with, with, with
1: both? Well, you know, since the pandemic has hit, uh, we've gone virtual with our gala. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually have um, one coming up May 12th, which people can log in online, and it'll be myself and my director, Katrina Call, doing like a live show. I mm-hmm. think uh, Rafael Sadiq is either going to perform or he's going to send the performance in. Uh, Pat Burke, who is a good friend of mine, is uh, he's done a couple clips that we're going to show. This is going to be a fun night, and that's what we can do within this pandemic. And Mm -hmm. the first we did it last year, and we ended up raising a couple hundred thousand dollars for the foundation and only had to spend like 15. So that, that, you know, that was great. So that's really what's going on with Shake It right now. As far as the foundation goes, we keep. Exploring new techniques in exercise that help with—and that's me shaking right here now, brother. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've—you've—you've been around me. Yeah, I've been around uh, you. Yeah, yeah, I know. yeah, I know. I know. you're still a little bit self-conscious about it sometimes. Yeah, but you don't. Yeah.
0: You know, I remember even when we first met, I saw you kind of self-conscious about it. You tried to, you know, it, talk to me about that—that that part because you know I've seen you talk in different interviews and you talk about how that was really a you know a, a tough part for you
1: to get get
0: past is the, the self-conscious part
1: yeah i mean it 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 comes up it, it, it shows its face in certain things and of course i'm on here with you somebody who's a warrior somebody mm-hmm. that i went to battle with somebody mm-hmm. who i have a great great deal of respect for so mm-hmm. in the back of my mind it, my mind starts talking to me a little bit like you know man you know, you used to be able to battle now you, you it just I, I, I psych myself out a little bit. I hear you. I but hear you. when I when I had to be like, you know, appreciative that I'm able to be here on your show and thankful that you you know you've asked me to come on here. And nobody's looking at the chairman. I'm the I'm right. the, most of the time it's just me. Well, but
0: yeah, you you know, you're you're I mean, before we go even further, you know, you're an inspiration to so many people. I mean, if you just look at the different people who are, are you know commenting and talking about from different interviews that i've seen you do and this is just now your book is just now coming out but this is like it's something where people find strength in you so then they know how you know i, I dealt with this a little bit when i had my open heart surgery and you know i felt you know it was, it was just different but but then i started getting letters from people who are like, you know, I find my my strength in you or my grandfather. Because this is something that older people have. My grandfather found strength and felt that he was going to be okay because he saw you being okay and stuff. And that's how people are, are looking at you. So you're an inspiration for so many people. That, and that's why, you know, yet yeah, I have so much admiration for you on the court. Um, you know, literally, like I said, I studied you and was patterning my game after mm-hmm. you when I was in college. But then seeing everything that you're doing off the court moving forward, it's, it's so, you know, it, it even surpasses everything that you did on the court, you know, because it, yeah. it's something that's going to be cemented for, you know, all of time. So I just want to let you know how much respect I have for you for having also the courage to be able to use yourself and open up in a way that will be
1: helpful to other people. Well, brother, I have the same amount of respect for you. You can ask my son, Elijah. I've done a ton of Zooms. I've done a ton of interviews and everything. But this is the one that I kept asking, when is it with E-Time? When do I do <laughs> it with E-Time? Because, brother, I've followed you over the years, you know, from the background, seeing the work that you're doing. I mean, you're a very, very intelligent brother, and you convey your messages so clear, man. And I just want to say, I appreciate you and what you're doing in the community with all different different topics. Right, you know, right, right. Different topics. And, you know, that is not intimidating to me, but it I got so much respect for it. I don't want to mess it up on my turn oh, when you're, wow, on your wow. on your shelf. Oh, no, not at all. I had some butterflies coming on here, man. No, you stuff. don't
0: need that. You know, it's but, funny. Let me say this even before, before we go. I'll start talking about the book in particular. I always got, and I'll ask you, I never asked you this, but I always got people mistaking me for you. <laughs> or like they would come up to me and they were like, you know, you look just like Brian Grant. You know, and, and sometimes I was like, okay, is it just the locks? We both have locks. You know how people are. People think all yeah. oh, brothers look the same, especially with locks. I mean, I've had people ask me, you know, about LeVar Arrington. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Shazam from Different World. You remember him? Yeah, So, yeah. somebody's four, I was Shazam. Lady at the uh-huh. train asked me if I was saving on Glover. I was like, wait a minute. He's, like, two feet shorter than me. But, like, <laughs> with you, people were like, well, no, y'all kind of look alike. So, this
1: is a little bit yeah. different.
0: So, I, I got that all the time.
1: Yeah, no. Um... <laughs> And we battled. And and honestly, if you watched the game the night before and saw me playing against somebody and the next night saw your team playing, you would say, damn, is that the same person? We go at it so hard. You know, we went at it so hard. We was just them scrappy dudes that scrapped on the inside, you know, stepped up, helped, great defense. Didn't shoot many jumpers, but right. definitely was going to get that offensive rebound and tap it oh, back in. Sure. Yeah. That was our like, like bread and butter, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, so, absolutely. That was, absolutely. That was great. So, all right, so let's talk about the rebound. Like, um,
0: there's a lot of directions that you went in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask you about one in particular, because I didn't, I was a little bit surprised when I saw this part, is that you You took some of the shift, the focus, and talked about your mistakes, and I was like, "Huh, I didn't expect that to be in this book." You know what I mean? I didn't expect yeah. it to be go in that direction. But um, specifically with your your first marriage, mm-hmm. and you, and I got to be honest with you, I was one of the people who felt a certain way about about your your ex wife because the 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 thought or the rumor or what was going around was that she left because. You had Parkinson's.
1: Yeah. And no. she couldn't
0: deal with it. And I was one of the people that was like, she did what? So I was one of those people probably that you wrote that part for to clear it up. But talk to me a little bit about that part that you put in the book.
1: Yeah. No, I, you know, I've always known I had a story that's worth reading. Like if I, if it wasn't my story and I read it, I'd be like, damn, I can't believe all that stuff happened to that that cat. Right. Um, but I didn't want to write a, a book that everybody expects me to write, which is talking about the good deeds and the things that happen and, you know, just what I call a fluff piece. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to write about my life, then I'm going to tell it all. I'm going to talk about Parkinson's and I'm also going to talk about where I grew up. I'm going to talk about college, overcoming things, making it to the NBA, you know, afterwards having my struggles and getting to this point where I'm at right now. And, mm-hmm. I always knew that I wasn't, it, this wasn't a book to blame people. This was mm-hmm. a book for my own redemption to put what i done out there. And the number one thing I wanted to clear up was the fact that I felt that a lot of people thought that she left because I had Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Brother, I ruined that thing throughout my NBA career. I mean, cheating. You know, I had a son. Uh, you know all this stuff and she stood by me but the one thing that i couldn't do and that was kind of you know the last straw was when she started her career in zumba because she's big time in zumba if your wife or somebody knows zumba say gina grant they're like, oh yeah uh-huh. uh, i couldn't support her because of things that were going on with people within her organization uh-huh. and friends of mine who used to play
0: Okay. Got and you.
1: so I couldn't, I couldn't respectfully, you know, follow that, and then pushing her away, and then that's what led to things starting to really crumble, oh. and it, and that was, you know, shoot, that was before before I even knew I had part. Right.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Yeah. yeah so I th- I just thought that was interesting that you put that part in there because you didn't have to. Literally, you didn't know? you, you didn't have to, and and you know you put that on there to kind of you know, like I said, shift the focus and and clear the air. Yeah, I thought that was really big. But there's so much else that you discussed in the the book. Um, You know, what are some of the main messages that you want people to get out of it? Like, what are the main, especially dealing with Parkinson's? Because now you're, you know, like you said, Michael J. Fox kind of took a step back. Muhammad Ali's uh, wife kind of took a step back. So now you're, you know, the main person really out talking about, you know, awareness and everything like that about Parkinson's because a lot of people still aren't really that clear about it. To be honest with you, so you're educating people as well as helping other people with it. So you have a lot that you're doing right now. But talk about that aspect.
1: Well, you know, there are there there's a big Parkinson's com- community out there that I become a part of, um, and we're not talking about people who are in film, people who are well known. We're just talking about everyday people, and. Connecting people is one of the best things I've been able to do is connect people from Portland to groups in the Bay Area to groups in uh, Delaware, uh, Miami. And so we we just we as an organization try to continue to connect people and talk to them about being proactive about their disease with nutrition and exercise. As far as being at the forefront, there are several leaders out there who are are pushing ideals and and meds that are currently helping us as patients, Mm -hmm. but, you know, connecting people, staying connected to people is the best way you learn about this disease. I tell you, I've learned more about Parkinson's from other Parkinson's patients than I have from my neurologist, Mm -hmm. because everyone's so different. And... I could be in a room with five people, or you and I could have the exact same symptoms, look alike, everything, and meds that I take might make you super sick, uh, and meds that you take might hype me up or make me fall asleep, because right. it's everyone's brain is different, and so just trying to connect people, continuing to connect people.
0: I think I think one of the things that you're open about is the you know in throughout your book is the struggle of thinking in the back of your mind you mentioned it earlier about what people are thinking about you you talked about the story about you know um you was at in line for a i believe it was a for something and you were looking around thinking if you know if everybody's looking at you you know but and not mm-hmm. and not thinking that they're looking at you because you're brian grant you know what i mean I played right. the NBA for 13 years but uh, looking at you because they're looking at your tremors. Like, talk about that aspect of it that you that you dealt with a lot in the book as well.
1: You know, we're both 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're some tall brothers. We're big. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us are a little bigger than others. Right? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's just that insecurity that sits in, you know, being so tall, I'm already being looked at because I'm tall. And I think I've kind of gotten past that over the years. Uh But then when I get put in a situation where I time my meds to go and do something, and that time goes over and I can feel the tremors and stuff starting to come back, Mm -hmm. that's when I get nervous and start sweating because I'm like, I start thinking what I would do if I was a little kid and I saw a big giant shaking, you know, didn't know nothing about it. You know, I start playing out all these scenarios in my head some may be true, but most of them aren't because, right. you know, especially if I'm here in Portland, people, everybody knows me. So they know I have Parkinson's, right. but it's that own my own insecurities that come up. And I've been to the point where, you know, I'll start shaking and I'm ready to get out of line and somebody's looking and I'm this close to being like, what are you looking at? Oh,
0: wow.
1: and, and right before I say something, the person's wife says, we just want to tell you, man, we love what you're doing my husband Mm -hmm. has Parkinson's and I'm just like, thank God. I didn't, you know? Um, So yeah, I, I, I gotta watch myself with that, but it's, it's, I'm getting better. I get better each and every year, each time. It's it's not something that just automatically happens with people, man. You know what I mean?
0: Of course, of course it takes time, but that's, that's, but that's
1: what you're stressing in your book. Talk to me about uh, what else you're talking about in your
0: book. You know, you, 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 in the subtitle, you you put you're finding out what really matters, mm-hmm. and I thought that was like a good transition when that started um, towards the end of the book. When you're talking about you know your family, you talk about your your, your legacy in terms of um, you know your 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 children, and you know when you know when yeah. we talk about our kids, your whole, your whole face just lights up. Talk right. about that aspect as as well.
1: You know when when we came up with the title, finding out what really matters. I kind of found out that through the process. I've always known that my kids matter. Mm -hmm. You know, It's not like I'm saying I didn't know that they didn't matter, that they matter. Mm -hmm. But when I got through this whole process and went over it again and again, it was like, of course it's your kids. Because every up, everything that I've been through, ups and downs, the kids have always been there. They're always going to be there for the most part, unless I push them away. And I can think of a lot of years that I might not have been here because of depression, mm-hmm. because of feeling sorry for myself and things like that. But it was always those kids that came in and showed me unconditional love and that, you know, no matter what happens with this daddy, we're with you. Mm-hmm. We're with you. And that that's really what matters is my kids. And then the way I treat other people, friends, uh, I had to quit getting ghosts on people because that's, that's, people started calling me space ghost. <laughs> it was like, right. I call you, you never call me back. And I get worried about you, dude. Right. And so, you know, like my cousin, he'd just pop up like, hey, man, you ain't answering my calls. I'm over here to make sure you're cool. I'm, right. like, I'm cool just going through it, that type right. of thing. But now my kids, I mean, they've been wonderful. Um, they, they've been wonderful through this whole process. And it, it, it's only going to continue, you know.
0: You know, it's interesting because you 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 mentioned depression and you talked about depression Mm -hmm. um, as being part of the process. And a lot of people are suffering in silence and seeing someone like Brian Grant be able to openly discuss depression is something that gives them strength to know. Because a lot of times people dealing with stuff feel that they're the only ones dealing with it and nobody like they're completely alone. And, you know, your book will be something that you give to somebody that can bring them out of their depression. So talk about that part as far as opening up about depression um, and how you even found the strength to open up about it.
1: Well, I tell you, the first time that I had depression that I knew was actually depression was right when I retired. And I can remember that last year in Phoenix sitting down talking to Vinny Del Negro and he just kind of held the conversation up and said, are you thinking about retiring? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, Brian, I just want to give you a word of advice. There's not that much fishing. There's not that much golf. There's not that much anything to fill your day. And when we retire from something we've done our whole lives, there's going to be some depression that follows with it. Some guys get a lot of depression. Some guys get little, a little bit because they find things to do. So I hope you find things to do. So, of course, when I retired, we moved back to Miami. Bam. I mean, I just went over over the falls. And I was one of those types of people, Etan, that literally thought that people who were depressed were weak-minded. Mm. I thought that, you know, come on. How can you be depressed? This is a beautiful world, all this beautiful stuff out here. Until it hit me. And when it hit me, it took me six months of arguing with Gina, you know, getting loud in front of my kids, scaring the shit out, excuse my language, scaring the crap out of them uh, and just ruining things uh, because I wouldn't admit that I was depressed. And finally, after six months, it was like I was given the ultimatum. Either you go and see somebody or we don't have to go. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I, I went and I saw somebody and I was diagnosed with clinical depression which probably was brought on by the fact that almost 80 percent of the dopamine producing cells in my brain were already dead and so you know dopamine and serotonin give you good feelings when you're feeling good and 80 percent of those cells were already gone Hmm. so i did I, i ended up going and getting help i got put on zoloft i was seeing a psychologist and after about nine months i started to feel normal again and um, I just say this to anybody out there, even if you don't think that you're depressed, but you, you've had some of these symptoms, go and get it checked out anyway, because mm. that's no way to live. It, it's no way to live. I mean, it's uh, de- you can have depression without Parkinson's, mm. and it be something that can send you over the edge and ruin your life right. if you don't get it looked at. So mm. have, have the courage and strength to go out and get that help that you need.
0: Well, like, you know, like I said I have so much respect for you for being so open um in your speaking engagements and, you know, interviews and in your book um about everything that you've gone through. And like I said, you know, my, my mother would always tell me that when you go through something, you know, it, it's it's not meant for you, it's meant to help somebody else. And that's yeah. just exactly what you're doing and I I just think it's so admirable. So much much respect to you. Um let me let me ask you one one last question and then and then I'll let you go. Um so the 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 two thousand um, <laughs> listen, I, I, well, I'm watching this. Okay, so I'm I'm just coming out of college, and playing against the Lakers, and um, you know I remember being in the you know I was my my agent um, that was trying to get me to come over there. Arn Tellem and Rob Palenka's so they brought me to the game. So that game where Kobe came down and threw the oop and then Shaq caught it, and, you know pointing to the crowd. I'm in mm-hmm. the crowd. There watching, right? Yeah. But I'm there and really I'm rooting for Portland. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm really yeah. like, ah, come on. Uh, uh, and people kind of looking around at me, like, who's this guy rooting for? So, <laughs> and, so and, and my wife's family is from LA. So even, you know, the next game and the next game after that, I'm at their house and her brother, you know, diehard Lakers fan, they all all Lakers, everything, and I'm sitting there and something happened, I'm like, yeah, good out. So like that. And it, he looked at me like, Wait, who are you rooting for here? You know what I mean. I'm I'm important. Talk to me about that series because I really, I really think y'all could have won that series. Like I was, it was like it was this close. Like, talk
1: to me about that series.
0: Woo!
1: (laughs) Man, I tell you, I mean, I've had some memorable moments. You know, in my 12 years in the league, the Carl Malone thing was great. You know, beating Utah, but the one thorn that's always going to stick in my side is 2000 playoffs. Mm -hmm. You know, we came out the box, beat them game one in LA. We're feeling ourselves. They beat us three games in a row, three games in a row. Now our backs are against the wall. We got to come back to LA. I think we go back to LA. We win a game. Then it comes back to Portland. And... Maybe I got maybe I got where we played at. Anyway, we ended up tying the series, 3-3. Three, yeah. three. And the game started off with us being super hot. We're hitting everything, man. Steve's hitting threes, Pips hitting threes, um, Damon. And we get to that fourth quarter, and I think there's maybe like six minutes to go. Someone shot a three-pointer. I don't know if it was Horry or if it was Brian Shaw. Shot a three-pointer and banked it in. And I can remember being on a bench going like, oh, my God. <laughs> just something came over me like, here they come. Right. And for the next maybe eight to ten possessions, we could not buy a basket. Right. Sabonis fouls out. I go in, you know, I'm playing with five fouls and, you know, Jermaine. And it just came down to the end. And I remember that play, that play so vividly because – I'm holding Shaq. You, you know, you felt him too. Right. <laughs> I'm holding him trying to keep him from coming in the lane and I just see Kobe blow past whoever he's on and I'm thinking there's no way I'm going to step over there late and let this cat posterize me. Right, right, right. I'm hoping that my help side is going to come down <laughs> and crack down on Shaq so I jump over like boom, uh-huh. stop. Yeah. And up goes the ball. Yeah. I turn my head. <laughs> Shaq dunks it those arms out yeah. and I, I really wanted to trip him. Yeah you know, I like, yeah yeah you know he's running I'm like want to just stick my foot right, out like right, right. but uh it was it was I mean when we walked into that locker room man it was like we you know it was like if we'd have been little kids we'd have been all crying but we yeah. grown as man we said there going just looking around like does anybody have anything to say you know <laughs> Nobody had nothing to say. It was like we could not believe we just lost that game. Uh, we had that game the whole way, and they turned it up, and they, they went on to be the, you know, dynasty team that they became, and our team just started fracturing off, Yeah, you know, and I had to go on, get ghosts, went down to Miami, yeah. to play for going into a situation that was looking real good when Zoe was healthy, right. Eddie Jones, Tim right. Hardaway, Dan Marley, me at the four, Mace. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, it was a tough series, man.
0: But y'all had them though. Yeah, yeah. It didn't what? turn out right, but y'all had them cats. And and, and I don't care, Lakers fans don't want to admit it now, but they were shook a whole lot of times in that series because it looked like y'all had them.
1: Y'all had them on the ropes. Yeah, there's that, that, some something funny about them ropes, man. Like <laughs> when you get <want> somebody <laughs> up against them ropes, you got to finish them. You got to finish them because right. they're gonna be desperate and start swinging back, and you know. Let our guard down and slip one in on us, man. And that was the one that took us out. Right, right, right. Took us out,
0: man. But great career, you know. Like I said, so much respect for you. Love all the stuff you're doing now. The book is called Rebound. Um, out now. Um, out of there, everywhere. Amazon, you know, whatever. Every every different place. So please go and get it. So much respect to you. Thanks again,
1: uh, Brian. Brian. Hey, brother. Thank you for having me on. I'm available anytime you need me, man. This I mean that. Uh, me too, though. You know,
0: yeah, stuff with your with your you know galas and your stuff with your foundation. Definitely want to get back, you know, involved with it. Now, you know, doing a whole lot of stuff. So just let me know as well. will do, man. All right. Yeah, we good You too. Bless. Thank you for listening to the rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com, along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AtonThomas36. Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.